Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. All right, welcome back to Brew Crew Review Podcast. With me today is Vince and Scott. How are you guys doing? Great. Doing, doing well, Craig. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, the baseball box scores are back. Spring training has started, and um, hopefully the, the baseball season can be a full year, and that would be great. Yep, absolutely. Uh, it's so exciting that we're just seeing baseball again in spring training. And, uh, you know, after, after last year, I'm so glad that we got a partial season at least. But it's going to be really good to go back to a full season and, and kind of get some, some of our routines back that we were missing uh, last summer. Yeah, I feel pretty fortunate. I, I really thought that this was going to be another year where we only had like like 60 or 80 or 100 games. So it, it's really great that at least so far, it looks like we're going to be able to get full 162. That's pretty awesome. All right, so on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about a couple of things, including some spring training battles that are going on for starting positions for the Milwaukee Brewers. But before we do that, we're going to do a – our annual tradition of listening off our top 30 future. Uh, we had our minor league analyst, Brandon, of course, put together uh, his top 30 list here, which I've got in front of me or we've got in front of us here. We'll go through that. Um, and of course, things are a little, little different. Last year, there were no minor leagues at all. There were some of the minor leaguers got to play at alternative training sites, uh, some competitive ball. But beyond that, the sad state of affairs of uh, the pandemic really left that no minor league baseball in 2020. So one might ask how these guys moved up or down the list um, based off really no, no stats to go on. Um, well, one thing, th- there was a 2020 MLB draft and the Brewers uh, of five rounds and the Brewers did draft five players and actually all five of them made this list of 30. So they kind of restocked the system a little bit. So um, anyway, we'll, without further ado, we'll kind of go over the names starting from 30 down to our top prospect. Um, so we'll start... And instead of saying what uh, what minor league affiliate they played at last year, we're just going to go with uh, their current age. Um, their favorite color. Yeah, we don't. Oh. <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, all right, so our 30th prospect is outfielder Joe Gray Jr., who's 20 years old. 29th prospect is shortstop David Hamilton, who's 23. Um, the next is Max Lazar. He's 21, left right-handed pitcher. 27, left-handed pitcher Clayton Andrews is 24. 26, catcher slash first baseman Thomas Dillard, 23 years old. Hey, is he related to uh, our, our friend of the show, Tim Dillard? No, actually he's not. Um, unless there's some kind of distant, distant cousins I'm not aware of, but uh, they are both from the South, um, but different states. Um, okay. So 25, catcher Nick Kali, he's 22. 24, catcher Jefferson Cuero, he's 18, an international draft signee. Um, 23, we've got outfielder uh, Micah Bello, he's 20. Number 22 on the list, we've got outfielder Carlos Rodriguez, he's also 20 years old. Next up, we've got our fifth round pick from last year's draft, outfielder Joey Weimer. He's 21, uh, drafted out of college. Um, all right, our 20th 
overall prospect. We've got catcher Peyton Henry, he's 23. 19th on our list, we've got catcher Xavier Warren, who's 21. He was a fourth round pick out of college last year as well. 18, we've got right-handed pitcher Alec Bettinger. Next up, we've got right-handed pitcher Dylan File, who's 24. 16 is shortstop Eduardo Garcia, who's just 18. Next up, outfielder Luis Medina, is a 17-year-old international signing of uh, last year. Um, right-handed pitcher Phil Bickford, uh, he's 25. Thirteenth on the list, we've got outfielder Corey Ray, who's 26 now. Also, these uh, last three guys are kind of on the cusp of losing the prospect status, so to speak. And twelfth uh, on the list is right-handed pitcher Zach Brown, who's also 26 on the cusp of. Hey Craig, hey Craig, let's uh, pause for a second here. I that brings up a really interesting question, and I I wanted to talk about it with with you two and and Chad if he's on. But uh, you know, are we is there what is the age cutoff that you guys see that you know a guy has sort of lost prospect status it's not always about necessarily getting opportunities in the big leagues but at some point a guy hits a certain age and it's like you know time to time to put up or shut up so to speak and i think that Corey ray is at that point you know i i think i should just point that out yeah definitely right in the 25 to 26 year old range um and unfortunately yeah right right away but you know if you haven't hit the big leagues yet at 27 you know i'm not saying it's too late there are guys that have appeared later and had great careers that's that's definitely true but you know when we're looking at these prospect lists I, I think that they're you know a guy like Corey Ray say he never makes an appearance in Milwaukee this year can he still be on this list next year I mean what are we using as our kind of criteria well technically he could but I mean um just that he'd have to have under 130 major league at bats or 50 innings pitched to be technically as prospect according to major league baseball and be qualified for rookie of the year and all that but with that being said um yeah age is definitely a factor and unfortunately with the lost 2020 minor league season and the whole season of development so to speak it it could jeopardize whether or not these guys become major leaguers or just you know completely flame out and uh, it's unfortunate situation for these type of players so i think this would be a huge year for them to uh, to make something of themselves. So yeah, th th those last three players, Bickford, Ray, and Brown, are definitely on the cusp of that. At they're in the, they're all within 25, 26 years old. So, all right, number 11 on the list is shortstop Hayden Cantrell. Is 22. He was our third round pick last year. Number 10, outfielder Tristan Lutz, 22. Next up is le left-handed pitcher Anthony Kelly. He's 21. Eighth is shortstop Freddie Zamora, second-round pick from last year out of University of Miami, Ryan Braun's old school. He's 22. Um, Seven-on list, right-handed pitcher Drew Rasmussen, who did get some innings in at the major league level last year. He's 25. Um, number six, catcher Mario Feliciano. He's 22. Left-handed pitcher Aaron Ashby, who's a nephew of former MLB Pitcher Andy Ashby, he's 22. Shortstop Bryce Trang, number four, he's also 22. And then here we go with our top three. We've got Ethan Small, left-handed pitcher, our number one pick from a couple of years back, who's 23. And second on the list, we've got outfielder Garrett Mitchell, who's 22, and our first round pick from last year um, out of UCLA. Um, and my number one and Brandon's pick for number one on the list is 
an 18 year old international signee from a couple of years ago, and that is outfielder Edbert Perez. Now, um, he's got a silent H and a silent T to, to begin and end his first name, which is kind of interesting. But yeah, Edbert Perez. Um, a lot he, of people are yeah. you know, claiming that he's got 30 yeah, potential. Sorry, Craig. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Greg. Yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt there. I, I was interested in our pre-production notes to see that he is the son of former Brewers outfielder Robert Perez, uh, who played for a number of teams, I think most dominantly the uh, Blue Jays, but um, had, had had a brief appearance with the Brewers back, I think in like 2001 or two, we could have our interns look that up. But It was the first um, year of Miller Park, 2001. He had five at-bats. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think he was, he was hitless at five at bats, but he's officially a brewer, so I'm sure you've got his autograph somewhere, right, right, Vince? He's act, he's actually on a list of guys I still need. I'm down to needing like only a hundred or so guys out of the 900 that have played for the team, and he's one of them. So, kind of hoping that uh, you know, with his kid playing at at Miller Park, we're going to see him in person, and I can you know snag a signature from him one of these days. <laughs> Absolutely, opportunity there. <laughs> And it may be a couple more years before he makes it to the bigs, but some are saying that he's so advanced that he could make it up to the big leagues by the time he's 20, which would be in two years. Most likely in three years, I'd say by the time he's 21, he'd be one of our starting outfielders, hopefully, if things all go as planned. But he really hasn't even, you know, gotten very much experience at the statewide level yet. But uh, he was at the alternative site last year, and people are saying he was hitting opposite field home runs, and his bat speed was incredible. And they really project him to be like a – Again, it's tough to say for the 18 year old, but that he has, you know, like 80 ish average with 30 30 potential. So, again, most other uh, top prospect lists for the 2021 Brewers have Garrett Mitchell or uh, at the top of the list, our last year's first round pick. But Ren and I discussed that at length, and we really feel that based off upside alone, that Edward Perez really is our number one prospect. And um, Garrett Mitchell, I think, was kind of a steal for the Brewers. We got him number 20th overall in the draft last year, where he was really projected to be a top 10 pick. But there are some questions about his ultimate hit tool. And I, in particular, don't like betting on guys that have questionable hit tools. He does have a great, phenomenal, um, you know, center field defense, and he's got plenty of speed. Um, so hopefully, you know, he, he has significant upside as well. Um, but, uh, you know, those, those two guys, I think, stand head and shoulders above the rest of this class. Um, just focusing on the top five, I really feel that those are kind of for sure future major leaguers. Unfortunately, the rest of the list from six to 30, I think we, there's obviously some guys that are going to make it, but like I said, um, it's tough to see hardly any of them on the list contributing this season. Um, there really just aren't guys besides guys like Corey Ray that could, you know, get a shot, but most likely as a fourth or fifth outfielder. And there'd have to be pretty massive injuries for Zach Brown to get any innings as a starter this year. So let's hope that doesn't happen. Or the, or if the birds are completely out of contention come September, if there are expanded rosters, but um, yeah. Uh, really, if I were to pinpoint any guys that might contribute this year, I'd have to say Bill Bickford could, you know, he's turned into a bullpen potential arm. Um, Corey Ray, like I said, is a fourth, fifth outfielder. Zach Brown is a potential, you know, back of the rotation starter. And just to throw out a couple other guys on the list, Dylan File and Alec Benninger um, also 
are to the point where I think they're almost fully developed and they could contribute out of the bullpen, possibly both right-handed pitchers. Um, but other than that, a lot of these guys are still a couple of years away at least. And uh, so unlike last last year where the Brewers actually had the NL Rookie of the Year and Devin Williams, believe it or not, um, pretty and also named, I believe, the reliever of the year in all of baseball is pretty, pretty awesome. I, I just, it's hard for me to see anyone coming from this list and making an impact for the 2021 season. That, that's interesting. I think we should point out too, only two guys from that list uh, made appearances last year with the Brewers. And that was just Rasmussen and Bickford. And I think Bickford just had one game in the big leagues before he was sent back to um, the alternate training site. So uh, not many of these guys are really tested yet at the highest levels. And, and it's really hard, I think, in you know this this year's version of this analysis because you know normally we can look at stats from triple a or double a from the year before and, and kind of see how guys developed but there weren't any stats that were kept for these guys that were at the alternate training site last year and um i know we talked about it on, on podcasts previously but these guys all lost a year of you know development against uh competition with other organizations so it's really hard to to kind of look at this list and see where guys might be developmentally and and you know, for the guys that didn't go to the alternate training camp, I, I you know, it's 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 really tough. And I, I kind of wonder how a lot of these guys spent their summers uh, last year and what they did to stay sharp. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I think a lot of people were. I mean, obviously, a lot of people were tweeting out about like different, you know, kind of independent workout programs and things that they had, or they would get together with a few other teammates and work out still, but. Um, I mean, obviously, it was extremely difficult, rough, uh, rough circumstances for them, and I, you just kind of feel bad because those people like really need that that kind of time to develop. And when you take a year away from somebody, that's an eternity for a prospect. So hopefully, they'll be able to, you know, kind of bounce back though and make the most of it. Well, and not only that, but if they've been drafted and on a minor league team, really you think about that baseball has been the completely kind of consuming their entire life, probably since they've been about 14 or 15 years old, I'm guessing, for a lot of these guys. And then to just all of a sudden have that abruptly stop and you stop playing any form of competitive baseball for like an entire year, uh, it's, I, I think it's going to have some long-term effects on some, some of these players, unfortunately. Um, but with that being said, I, I am hopeful that they'll be able to play full season in the minor leagues in 2021 so um, hopefully everyone kind of gets back on track um, were there any other kind of names that you guys um, pique your interest as far as helping out within the next year or two um, or, or guys that you really feel that are are going to emerge from this list to possibly be on top of it next year well very 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 small sample size but uh, Aaron Ashby looked really good in his first spring outing this year so um, you know, that's not really indicative of any uh, abilities necessarily to get guys out at the big league level during the actual major league season. But um, that's always a good sign and uh, kind of got that, that sweeping left-handed delivery. And, I, you know, I could see him with, with his plus velocity being a guy that could fit in uh, potentially to the Brewers' bullpen at some point sooner rather than later. Um, so he's one guy that's kind of piqued my interest a little bit. Um, I think Rasmussen did fine last year in the big leagues. I, I like him a lot. I think that um, he's going to continue to contribute uh, at the big league level as well. Um, and, you know, the last guy I'll bring up, you know, right now is that uh, 
you know, I, I still think that Corey Ray is a guy, he's kind of an enigma to me. He's had good years. He's had really bad years. He's had injuries. Um, he was a number one draft pick. You know, it's like, we've got, we, we really, I think just need to find out what we have in Corey Ray. And unfortunately, I don't think that that's necessarily going to happen in Milwaukee at this point, because number one, he is kind of getting out of that prospect status. Number two, you know, it seems like the Brewers are bringing in a lot of, you know, other guys to compete for those backup outfielder spots, both in the organization, guys like Tyrone Taylor and um, also from outside the organization. I know that the Brewers have brought in a couple of McKinney, yeah, McKinney and Derek Fisher and, you know, other guys yeah. that are going to compete for that fourth or fifth outfield spot. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know if we're, we're going to see Corey Ray really uh, in Milwaukee over any prolonged period of time. I, I would suspect we're going to see him in Milwaukee at some point this year, but um, – you know, maybe it'll be down the road if rosters expand. And uh, I, but I also said that last year too. I thought that because he was at the alternate training sites and the rosters were as big as they were, I thought that, you know, if the Brewers had any confidence in him, I thought that we'd see him, you know, make an appearance at least. But that never happened. And I lied. I'll bring up one more guy. Um, it should be pointed out that Dylan File did have an injury that occurred, um, apparently, that our colleague Tom Hondercourt never really addressed, but it happened. And, in early February, uh, he had surgery, and it just came out yesterday um, that he's going to miss, I think, is it three months of the year? Scott, you can have your interns double-check on that, but I think it's three months of the season. So, um, bad news for number 17 on your list, still in file. Yeah, that probably done a little bit on this list, that's for sure. Scott, did you have any thoughts? Um, I, I, I guess I was just really thinking of – like you said, people that were, you know, could potentially uh, come up and make any kind of an impact this year. And um, I don't know, I, I think maybe a little bit of shine came off the prospect apple of Zach Brown, but um like to see what he could uh, potentially do. And then Ethan Small, I mean, I know maybe we've been a little better at it recently in our franchise, but this is a franchise that notoriously like cannot develop starting pitching. And so to be able to, uh, potentially, you know, do that. I'd like to see what we can do with him. So, hope it works out. And yeah. one, one other thing, too, that is interesting, guys, is, that, you know, we had a really, I think, bad season last year from Omar Narvaez, and he's still locked in for a couple of years if, if we want him at the big league level, and we've still got Manny Pena, obviously. But, you know, there's a number of catchers on this list. I wonder if, because guys like Jacob Nottingham, I think his, his prospect status is kind of worn, worn off a little bit. I, I just wonder if maybe some of these catchers that are on this list might get a chance to compete sooner rather than later. Um, David, since our last taping, I think even David Freitas was uh, let go and he was, he was uh, allowed to sign with the team, I think in Taiwan or Korea, and he's no longer, you know, one of the names that's ahead of some of these guys. So I do wonder if maybe some of our catchers uh, on this list might get a chance sooner rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. I, I kind of like a guy, uh, his name is Peyton Henry. He's a little bit further down the list. I think I'd have at number 20. But um, the guy that I think has potential for a future major leaguer is Mario Feliciano. Um, and he's 22, so he'll probably be a triple-A this year um, at some point. But I don't know if we'd see him this year in the big league unless it's a September call-up or something. Um, but, yeah, you guys make a good point. Some some of the guys, like Ethan Small, a lot of the people compare his delivery to Clayton Kershaw's and – even though he has a low 90s fastball, there's some deception in his delivery that makes it play up into like the high, as if it's a, in a high 90s fastball. So he's got a lot of strikeout potential. 
Aaron Ashby, like you pointed out, uh, Vince, he's got one of the best curveballs in the minor leagues from what scouts say. So I think that's kind of exciting. I really, I really think that rather than t- target him for the bullpen, uh, except for maybe when he breaks into the big leagues, he'll, I think he's a future starter for sure. And I almost envision him have like a number three starter ceiling. Um, and like you said, Drew Matt Rasmussen pitched us well last year and he really has a great arm. He, he pumps into the high 90s and he's already 25. I don't know. I almost thought maybe the Brewers might tinker with putting him back in the rotate, uh, in a, you know, back at AAA and maybe let him start. Uh, just because I don't know beyond, um, you know, obviously we, I think we have some starting pitching issues um, still for the future of the franchise. So I went, but I, I don't know. I, I think that he did such a good job in relief that they'll probably leave him there. Um, yeah. And like you said about Zach Brown and Corey Ray, I think that they will see some big league innings this year and, you know, Avisel Garcia is only signed through the end of this year. So if Corey Ray does have a breakout in AAA once again, um, I think he's still an option for the Brewers for next year as a starting player. But like you said, Vince, it's it's very likely at this point that he may need a change of scenery to um, to really have his career still be salvaged, I guess, at this point. So we shall see. Yeah, it's interesting. Phil Bickford, you know, like I said before, he got – he got into one big league game. It was his big league debut uh, in 2020. A, a guy who had a real high ceiling when we acquired him a few years ago from the Giants, along with uh, Andrew Susak. Um, he had some off the field issues, I think, that led to him being suspended for a year and missing some time. Uh, but he seems to be back. Uh, you know, he's still got some decent raw talents. And, you know, I, again, it's hard to know where they're at developmentally when we haven't seen them play in a year. But um, you know, he's a guy that if he does put it all together and, and kind of um, is able to manage some of his off-the-field stuff, it seems like he could be a guy that the Brewers continue to look at and I would guess in a bullpen role, but, um, you know, a live arm is a good thing. So we'll see what happens with him. Yeah, but I mean, exciting just to see the Meyer Leagues being played again. I know that our show has been a huge advocate of the Meyer Leagues ever since the, the beginning of our, our show, which is, believe it or not, will be – started about 17 years ago as of this July it's hard to believe but um yeah so uh, it's exciting hopefully we can make some minor league games ourselves this year and and that people around the country can you know safely watch some competitive baseball once again this summer it'll be great um so with that being said you as we already mentioned spring training is underway now the Brewers have played a couple games I think they won their first two some of their offense is looking pretty good so far um with that being said, we should, I don't know. We should talk a little bit about position battles. Um, what, what are the? Oh, Craig. Actually, before we hop into that, I was just going to ask you. Like last year, um, you know, most people would say that the the Brewers farm system, as far as like prospect wise, was probably probably in the bottom three in the league. Um, some had us dead last even. Where do you think, uh, with our recent drafting anyway and development of players, where do you think we are roughly now? Um, well, I hate to be the bearer break. Bad news. We probably moved up a few notches from the top bottom three, but not, not too many. So I would say we're in the bottom third, unfortunately, of farm systems as of right now. And I'll just put it that way without giving the exact number. I would say in the bottom third of the farm systems in the league, but it's pointing up, I guess. So, so that's good. Guys, one, one, one guy that we haven't talked about that I think we should at least mention, um, in a little bit more detail is Bryce Terang. Craig, I know that he's on this list from 
from your intern, but you know, what what do you guys think that Bryce Terang has shown in a few years in the organization since you know being drafted in the first round back in um, I think it was 2017, 2018. Um, what, what do you guys think that the ceiling is at this point on Terang? I think he can still be an everyday player, but not an all-star level player. Um, you know, just obviously he's kind of known for his defense and his plate discipline, but he really doesn't have much pop or terrible amount of speed. But, you know, with a full slate of at-bats at a major level, I could see him having like a 15-15 season with like 15 homers, 15 steals, and hitting anywhere, you know, between 260 and 300 with a, with a good on-base percentage. But with that being said, um, he profiles as, you know, possibly a second baseman as well as shortstop. So I think he's definitely an up-the-middle player. And now with the signing of Colton Wong and – Kesson here being moved to first, perhaps when Wong's contract is over, I think Hira could be ready to take over second base. Or if Urias to completely bombs as our future shortstop, Terang would be there as a possibility. So I think that we'll definitely have a need in one one position or the other up the middle. So I'm still hopeful that he'll be an everyday Milwaukee Brewer um, player. And and I, I don't think it would kill him to be a AAA for another year or possibly two. Uh, before you know, we're ready to bring him up to the big leagues. But I don't, I don't foresee him, you know, making the big leagues this year yet. But yeah, no, fair enough. I know he's in camp and uh, he made a pinch running appearance, I think, today. And you know, I'm glad that the Brewers are including some of these guys in big league camp, as a lot of other organizations do. So no, I just just wanted to get your thoughts on him um, before we moved on here. But I mean, if you want to throw out an old pro player comp to him, I would say like a young Billy Spires. As far as Brewer fans, if they are old enough to know that, but kind of reminds me of him a little bit. Of course, man. He's a football coach at Clemson now. Geez, of course, everybody knows Bill Spires. Yeah. How would you compare him to one of our recent, uh, well, I was going to say recent interviews, but um, no, recent, I guess, Brewer prospects that came up and, and had some success anyway uh, in Scooter Jeanette. Yeah, yeah, interesting comp, interesting comp because Jeanette didn't have much power, but you know he ended up being a guy who could get on base a ton and and uh, did incredibly well after he, after he got to the Reds. Um, it's an interesting comp, Scotty. Yeah. Well, what I do like though is obviously what kind of did Scooter in a little bit here was that he he didn't have that kind of positional uh, versatility that Stearns covets, and that um, you know obviously we're getting with Bryce Ring as well. So being able to work. Uh, multiple positions on the infield is definitely helpful. Yeah, it's an interesting comp. Like, like you said, uh, Jeanette eventually, you know, found his way to, to just be a second base, and I could see that being like Terang as well. But I think Terang has a little bit more athleticism, I guess, and a little – believe it or not, I actually think Jeanette had more power but less speed than uh, Terang may have. But I don't know if that's helpful or not. But um, Yeah. yeah. But I think Terang does have better plate discipline for sure, which I think is a key that the Brewers have been focusing on their drafting and, and much of Major League Baseball really has since the analytics have really come into the game and scouting and whatnot. So I think that that gives him an advantage and a little bit higher of a floor, so to speak, uh, where I really do feel he'll, he'll be in the Major League at some level, and if not even in like a super utility infielder, so to speak, at some point. But uh yeah, no, I mean, still hopeful for him, but it's nothing to get – I guess he's not the type of player to get super excited about because I just don't feel like he'll be like an all-star player or anything like that. But uh, any any prospect that becomes an MLB regular is definitely 
definitely have made it, you know, a great player, so to speak. So. Yeah, and that's that's a hit when you're drafting them. Like, obviously, like if you can even get that. Yeah, and we're not even there yet with him. Uh, but you know, I, I really feel like he's on the right track. And uh, again, it's hard to say with that. Uh, keep mentioning, but like with the lost season, the heat, the, you know, of last year, you know, it's just he's gonna, have, you know, it's just 2021 is gonna be so important for a lot of these guys to kind of just get back on track. I mean. They they got a year older, but they didn't get a, a, another year of experience, and you know that's it's it's unfortunate, um, but it is what it is. And the you know every the arrows pointing up on uh, the positivity getting back on the field is is a key. So, all right, so getting back to position battles for the Milwaukee Brewers, um, I like those first couple games of spring training because they do let some of the prospects and uh like you said andy ashby i think struck out all three or three batters and the one inning of work he he, he had and i know a small pitch to a clean inning in the first uh spring training game too but i always like that they're they give kind of the prospects a few more extra at bats and innings pitch those first couple games of spring training which is kind of cool um but overall what position battles are intriguing you guys the most, I guess, uh, this year? And, and, and who are you looking to kind of emerge from some of those? I mean, to me, it all comes down to a position we've talked a lot about on our, our show this offseason. And, um, Scott, I know you missed quite a bit of our offseason, but uh, we talked a lot about third base. And, you know, I, I still don't know what the plan really is. I guess if it is Travis Shaw, it's Travis Shaw. But, I, you know, I – I think that he still has a lot to prove, quite frankly. He did not have that great of a year last year with Toronto and had a very bad year in Milwaukee in 2019. And, you know, I, I, so I don't know. I thought that Urias and Shaw battle, so to speak, at third base is interesting to me. Um, seems like the team is very committed now to here at first, you know, so I, I don't know how many other battles are, are really out there. I guess for, for, our fourth and fifth outfielder, there seems to be, you know, three or four guys in the mix for, for, for that, or for those two spots. Um, so I guess the third base and the outfielder are, are kind of what I'm looking at at this point. Scott, do you have? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I mean, the outfield is going to be, um, I guess, well, I don't want to say fairly set, but we're pretty set on, uh, the guys we're going to have out there, I think, just depends on when they're going to play or how much they're going to play. But, um, I mean, other than that, I don't really know. I mean, I am I am a little bit concerned with the first base situation. I don't really know what the backup plan is if Hira can't play first because Hira's bat needs to play, and Colton Wong is – is going to play second for the most part. So I don't know where that leaves here, I guess. I'm sure he's going to get the at-bats, but what happens if we have just a train wreck situation at first? What are we going to do? I mean, that that's the part I'm worried about. That's not really a camp battle per se, because, you know, I mean, maybe it's going to be something where a hero's just never going to play first in any close game after, like, the seventh inning or something like that. And, well, you know, and we it, and still obviously like, have Vogelbach. Yeah, I was going to say, to your point, Scott, it's not like we have a great defensive option on the bench with Vogelbach. I mean, Vogelbach also was brought in for his offense and probably, you know, in the hopes that there would be a DH in the National League this year like there was in 2020. And, yeah, to your point, I, I just don't know who defensively could step in at first. Um, 
at this point. Well, and, and well Vogelback yeah, does countries. have some experience with the Mariners playing first base, not well, but an emergency pitch. Well, sure. He gets I'm saying he's not a defensive he, guy, you know. I mean, if he stays on the roster, he's going to have to play there because there's no DH. So I think Shaw obviously has a is an emergency backup at first. Um, and even Christian Yelich, believe it or not, came up as a first baseman um, when he was in high school. So I think he can play there. Not that we'd want to do that. But when there were some whispers this week of uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. possibly signing with the Brewers, I was like, are they actually considering putting Yelich at first? I'm like, where, where are we going to put Keston Hira? This is ridiculous. So Scott's point, I think, is really fair the, that if, if the Keston Hira to first base experiment fails, there's no other spot to put him back in the lineup. I mean, you're going to have to put him back at second base, and then what do you do with Colton Wong, who you just signed for two years? I mean, it's a huge risk, I think, that they're taking, and I, I think that they must have seen enough somewhere along the line to know that Hero is going to be able to handle first, or else they wouldn't have done that signing. So I'm, I guess I'm not overly concerned. We really need Hero's bat in the lineup no matter what. So I think he's, he's going to sink or swim at, at first base, and there's really no other else place to put him. Um, I don't think that yeah, I, I, entertain I, the fact of putting him back at second, obviously. No, I tend to agree. And I, so two things I think are going on. Number one, I, my guess is, is that the Brewers asked Keston Hira to start working on first base drills and things that he could do even during the off season, like earlier on. Like, I don't think that, I don't think that him coming to spring training is the first time he picked up a first baseman's mitt because my guess is, is that, you know, again, David Stearns loves versatility. And I think that he probably had told him it could have been, it could be something that he might have to start working on. And, and so we don't know how long he's really been doing that, but you know, I, I would think that maybe he's been doing it since longer than just this week at spring training. And number two, I think that the Brewers are hoping to mitigate some of the defensive problems at first base by having such a strong up the middle defense uh, by signing a guy like Colton Wong, who is a great defender and, um, Orlando Arcia is a great defender at shortstop and Lorenzo Cain is a great defender in center field. So you do mitigate some of those problems and some of the range issues that a guy like Hero might have um, at first base uh, by having such good defense elsewhere. Yeah, and I think that, um, well, I guess I would say that maybe the Brewers um, in an effort to develop, I guess, bats that um, would play better in those positions. I think it's more of a, an issue where maybe the Brewers have neglected some of that defense, especially up the middle. Um, and so, I mean, to me anyway, uh, there's a lot of places where you can kind of hide a bad glove, but you really need great defense at center and obviously short and to a lesser extent second. But um, I mean, after that, it's, it's getting easier and easier to, to kind of hide a bad glove, I guess. But um, those are the places where you really need some some great, talented defensive players. And the Brewers haven't always had that. And it's nice to see them putting more of an emphasis on it. Well, well, here, here's what I want to point out. Are you guys concerned about first baseman, first base and outfield and obviously third? I'm concerned about the entire left side of the infield, to be quite honest. And here's what people I think are kind of making a false assumption on, that Orlando Arcee is for sure our shortstop and that, Travis Shaw has a potential to have everyday at-bats at third. I think that neither of those things may be true. I actually feel that just over a year ago, in November of uh, 2019, a few months before the pandemic whatnot, uh, the Brewers traded Trent Grisham and Zach Davies just to really land Luis Urias. And I think they did that 
Uh, obviously, we got Eric Lauer in that deal too, but I think they did that really targeting him as our shortstop of the future. And I think had there not been a pandemic last year that we wouldn't have even re-signed RCN and URIS would have been handed the, the shortstop job. I think that's going to possibly what's going to happen anyway. I really think that the Brewers envision him as their shortstop and he is good with the glove, just as good as RC, in my opinion. And I think that he's going to be better with the bat. And I think that they're going to pencil him in at short for the most part. And that's why there's already rumors that to increase his versatility, they're already putting uh, Orlando Arcia with some reps at third and even in center field, believe it or not. So I think that they're envisioning Orlando Arcia as a bench bat going into 2021, believe it or not. So what does that leave for third base? That leaves Shaw... Daniel Robertson, who might be the dark horse in this situation, and uh, yep. Arcia, who doesn't has no experience playing third as of yet. So my guess is that you know, possibly well, two months or into the season, we may see something like Urias at shortstop and Robertson as our starting uh, third baseman. But that's just me, I guess. Interesting, Chris. Yeah, you know, possible. No, go, go, go ahead, Scotty. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say it's definitely possible, although I wouldn't be surprised, I guess, if Robertson, if he wound up getting, um, like, I don't know, like a soft push in the third or something like that. But, like, um, other than that, I mean, it's definitely plausible. I don't think that Arcia has done enough to be a major league starter anymore. I mean, and at this point, like, he – I mean, he definitely still has some potential, but I think that the Brewers are worried that maybe they've already unlocked most of it and that he's not going to develop any further at this point. And if that's the case, then, you know, we have to upgrade that position, unfortunately. And, um, yeah, I, th I think that's absolutely right. That's why we made the trade for Urias. But, but, guys, that takes out one factor of this, you know, equation, and that's that I think that you guys are, are spot on when it comes to – the reasons why we made the trade with the Padres originally to get Urias and Yardley and Lauer. But I also think that Arcia had the best offensive year of any Brewer last year. You know, I don't think we can completely discount his uh, showing on the field in 2020. Um, I think he had, you know, 268 or something, but uh, so not, not great, but still better than most of the uh, others in our lineup. And, you know, the thing with that is again, a short season, small sample size, all that stuff. But, maybe he proved something to Craig Council and others last year by, by playing fairly well. And, um, yeah, know, I think I, that's I, why they re-signed them, but that, because yeah, well, maybe, they, arbitration they, eligible that they, they had the option to just not tender him a contract. And I think that's why they did that is because he did have a nice season last year in a short sample, but he, he did finally have a nice season uh, with the bats. And I think that was huge. And, uh, I think that's going to prolong his career by quite a bit, even if it's not with the Brewers beyond this year. But um, I think the difference between the two players is that they really feel that Urias can hit closer to 300 and he has on-base skills, which is something that Orlando Arcia just does not. Um, and before acquiring or signing Colton Wong, I think that they actually envision Urias at, with his on-base skills toward the top of the two spots in the order and ahead of Christian Yelich and, and Huron. And now with Wong signing, it's not necessary this year to put him up there. But with that being said, um, I don't know. I just uh, this is my guess on what what how this is going to play out. I guess. Um, but um, I, I think the Shaw signing is definitely a good depth move, especially hitting left-handed when the other three guys in this equation are all right-handed hitters. 
I will point out that I read shortly before our podcast, I, I read the, there was assessment on this left side of the infield uh, situation by the Brewers um, and but written by Fangrass. And this is how they summed it up. The Brewers are just, and I'm quoting here, the Brewers are just throwing poo against the wall and seeing what sticks. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> from a team with playoff aspirations, I, I don't think that other people around baseball are envisioning that this is a great um, setup on the left side of our infield, but it is what it is, and I'm, I'm hoping some guys can emerge. Yeah. Um, yeah, very interesting. What do, what do y'all think about the um, outfield situation? So I know that we're set pretty much with our starters, but, um, you know, I do think that we've got a battle going on for – for backup outfielders at this point. Um, yeah, Tyrone Taylor, Tyrone Taylor, Taylor, McKinney, and um, Derek Fisher. I think two of those three guys will make the team. I'm going to say, like, Taylor's almost yeah. a champion for some reason, I feel, um, just because of what he's shown already as a brewer. And the other two guys, I think, are kind of battling for that fifth spot, if indeed uh, we carry a, a fifth outfielder. Because if Orlando Arcia shows he can play center field, uh, you know, we may choose to not carry a fifth outfielder, but uh, right, true. But yeah, I, I I don't know who. If I again, if I had to pick, I would. It's it's tough, but I I would almost go with Fisher and Taylor to be quite honest. Um, not that nothing against McKinney, but um, yeah, we'll see what how that plays out as well. Scott, do you have any favorites in that that horse race? <laughs> um, I don't know. To me, it's kind of a little bit of a toss up. Um but um as far as um our regulars go, I'm actually wondering, I mean this is gonna be a contract year now for Abseo Garcia who really, really underwhelmed last year. And he came into camp, I forget how many pounds he lost, but he lost a bunch of weight. Thirty uh, he seems kind of dedicated. Thirty pounds you said? Yeah, I yeah. think I read thirty thirty pounds. I think uh well, I don't know if I read that somewhere or if that was from our anonymous source, uh, Tom Carter, Thomas Carter. Huh. Well, yeah, that's good. Yeah, just... Well, I guess um, I, I'm interested to see. I mean, now this is a contract year for him. And, you know, he was um, came in, obviously, like we paid him very well to perform here, and he has not. Um, now he, you know, he's on this <laughs> this contract year going to be interesting to see what he does i'm glad to see that he's at least showed up at the camp in shape but um kind of wish i would have saw that last year but i know last year was a weird year so um really hoping that he's a bounce back candidate i guess and um is able to be a regular here but if he hits like he did last year uh he's gonna get like a percentage of his at bats are gonna be he's gonna have to unfortunately sit on the bench eventually because he we can't have a whole year of what he did last year yeah i think you're right with a contract year somehow as a motivating factor for guys to get in shape and have a have a nice year so i think the bird will benefit from that uh and i, I don't see him being a Milwaukee bird beyond this year even if he has some kind of smash breakout or something I, i'm not envisioning that but i think he'll have a solid year this year um you know, I think Ryan Braun would have done just as well, even at his advanced age and whatever, with that with that starting spot. But again, his health was always a concern, and that is one thing that Garcia's got on his side. He's still, you know, in his upper twenties, and and he's got health on his side, so um, and still some potential in the bat. So um, 
I think he kind of is what he is, but I, I think he'll have a pretty solid year and a little bit of a bounce back. So, um, so real quick on the rotation, guys, just like the one spring training rumor that's going out there is that the Brewers are stretching out for Freddie Peralta, for whatever that means. And I guess, what's your guys' take on that? I, I'm all for it. I, I've I've said that before on this podcast, but I really like Peralta as a starter. I think that he's got the arm for it. I think that, um, you know, as he's advanced uh, in his own education as a pitcher, he's developed a better repertoire. And um, I'd really like to see him as a starter. I think that he could really solidify our starting rotation. Uh, I know he can be fine in the bullpen. I'm not, you know, I certainly he can adjust to that role again if need be, but um, a guy with his type of arm, I, I, I just think he's best suited in the rotation and I'd love to see him get the chance this year. Yeah, I guess, um, I, I guess I just don't know. I mean, sometimes like, obviously he took the mound and he was, um, just lights out from the start. Other times, um, he struggled, you know, in that first inning, just kind of, um, you know, getting comfortable out there. And so it makes me wonder, like, if they're stretching him out, is it to start or is it going to be somebody where, like, they're going to kind of piggyback him or he's going to be, like, the long man or something? I'm not sure because I know, obviously, when they did extend him, uh, they saw a lot in him and the Brewers had so few people under contract that to extend anyone was kind of a really big sign that, you know, that they really saw something in this guy and, um, you know, he's shown it. So not sure where that leads him this year, but um, I hope he winds up starting or getting uh, potentially getting those better, like more high leverage innings in our bullpen. Now our bullpen is so good that high leverage innings for him, the best he might see is like the seventh, but um, it'll be interesting to see kind of how it all works out. I hope he doesn't get in that like, well, if a pitcher's struggling, we're just going to throw him in in the third inning and then hopefully we can get like four rings out of him or something like that. Like, cause it's, I don't know. There's just not a lot of <laughs> glory in any of those kind of roles. Like you're just a mop up man. And I think he's better than that. Yeah. Good point, Scott. Um, one thing to keep in mind for this year, I think that's going to be such an odd year coming back from the COVID year, so to speak. And then a lot of guys that, that, you know, a normal year would have, have thrown, you know, upwards of 150 innings as a starting pitcher in a normal rotation. No one did that last year. And so it's going to be tough. You're not going to be able to have throw guys 200 innings, um, you know, even your number one or two starters. So I think having a great bullpen like the Brewers do, and not only that, with some depth in the starting rotation, even if it's uh, not quality depth, I guess I'll call it, um, is still going to be very valuable. And, um, you know, if I, if I envision how the Brewers might be trying to work this and not saying that we're going to go to a six-man rotation, I think we'll stick with a five-man, but I'm just going to guess that we're going to have, you know, Woody be our number one, Burns be our number two, probably Brett Anderson be kind of a uh, number three that we expect to get five or six innings solidly every time he's out there. And then for our fourth and fifth spots, I really think that we're just going to go with some kind of combination of uh, Lindblom, uh, Hauser, Lauer and Peralta and so that's four guys for the last two spots and then also kind of covers for you know Brett Anderson has an injury history and even um, you know Carbon Burns a little bit and so I think just that depth um, is going to be helpful 
And I think they're going to ex uh, expect all those guys to kind of throw innings, uh, a decent amount of innings. And I think so. My guess on this stretching off right for all does is just that they're entering him into that kind of mix of players, whether or not they be having, having been an opener who goes, for, like you said, Scott, for three or four innings. But then once he's two times through the lineup, then you pull him for the next guy in, the next man up, so to speak. So I, I have a feeling they're going to tinker around similar to what the, you know, Tampa Rays do, unfortunately, with the, their entire rotation. I think they're going to do that with their fourth and fifth spots, but this is just pure speculation on my point. TC also, um, our anonymous source, mentioned that he thinks he agrees with me, but um, which is very rare. Um, Tom Carter? Oh. Oh, oh yeah, 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 Tom. Oh, we just wanted to say, I'd just say with T. Carter, maybe, or some variant well, thereof. Well, what if we call them Thomas Carter? Do you think that would cloak Tom well, that's Carter? His name. <laughs> well, right, but everyone knows it's Tom Carter. Like maybe we should say, "Oh, Thomas Carter," and then no one would know who we're talking about. Well, I think they, they might be able to, you know, follow the breadcrumbs, <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> just, just a thought. I, they maybe we should call Thomas it. Jefferson and then or something instead. <laughs> Since the Brewers aren't or Todd Lincoln. Guys, since the Brewers aren't printing out a media guide this year, no one would know that, you know, he works for the Brewers anyways. So it's fine. Yeah, that is disappointing. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. yeah, it's unfortunate. In the media without getting our guide, but we'll have to figure it out. All right. Anyway, yep. the season, awesome. I love that first game of spring training where I get to look at box scores throughout baseball, especially the Brewers box score, and see that Keston Hira hit a three-run bomb. That gets me pretty excited. So uh, Yeah, same here. I mean, we have an awesome top of the rotation. We have the best bullpen in baseball, in my opinion, and we have a really good outfield. Um, the rest I'm not going to comment on. But uh, anyway, I, I really feel that we'll be a competitive team this year. And, and I really do feel that we're at least in the top two or three teams in the NL Central, which should make us competitors throughout the year. And I'm definitely excited for the season. Yeah, it's going to be great just to have baseball back. Honestly, it was such a weird year last year. And, you know, playing 60 games again was better than nothing. But it was really tough, you know, to try to, to, to feel the same way, I guess, about the season last year as a normal year where you've got the, you know, full 162 games. And, I, you know, I think that we're going to see fans at Miller Park on – or, sorry, American Family Field on opening day this year even um, <clears throat> will be a – percentage capacity but we're already seeing fans in spring training uh yep. and you know not not to put the cart before the horse but you know we're seeing better numbers on covid we're seeing more people get vaccinated um you know so i i think that as as the season moves on we're gonna hopefully return to some sense of normalcy and and again i i'm cautiously optimistic that we're going to be having full full crowds at miller park uh at some point in 2021 and um, you know, even even before that, just being able to go to a game at some point, I think, is going to be really exciting. So, uh, I'm I'm <laughs> really excited to see some some Major League Baseball. I really missed it last year uh, in person. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely pretty exciting. I mean, just even just getting back to normal, hopefully a little bit. I mean, at this point, um, you know, like if people walk around in masks all the time, obviously. And, um, my dog barks at a mall. Like she doesn't understand what's going on anymore. Like, she's like, why is everybody, I don't know. She doesn't, she thinks everyone's bad now. So it'd be nice to actually, you know, 
get back to normal a little bit. Oh, it'd be so great to go to a game. Absolutely. So, I, I feel like the entire world will be classy once again this year. So, um, they were classy. <laughs> we told them to stay classy, but last year, not so classy with this pandemic. So, but anyway. No, that's that's true. Hey, guys, uh, really quick before we end our show here, I, I had one more um, tidbit from the Brewers uh, history department. We are uh, just seeing an announcement today from the team. Again, not reported by our colleague, Tom Hodgercourt, but we picked up on it that uh, the Brewers are going to be inducting three more former Brewers into the team's wall of honor, including uh, pitcher Francisco Rodriguez, Giovanni Giardo. Scott, you had a great interview with him oh, wow. uh, back when he was in Nashville, and now all of a sudden he's getting his you know plaque up on the side of the stadium. And uh, wow. third guy is Carlos Gomez, uh, who the Brewers also announced will at some point this year be signing a one-day contract with the Brewers so that he can officially retire uh, as a member of the Brewers, as he uh, expressed a desire to do. So just wanted to congratulate those three guys and point that out as well. Yeah, that's phenomenal. And by the way, um, I have always, always like reaffirmed to the Brewers organization that um, despite our long tenure there between the three of us um, working with that organization, as well as like our show, um, we do not need any accolades whatsoever. Um, so we will not be ever put, you know, into, into anything like that, at least in our lifetimes. They might do it like post promisely or something, but, you know, we, we made it really clear that, you know, we're, we're all about doing this for the fans. So, you know, we don't need to Didn't you get your name on that wall outside the stadium, Scott? I did not actually. <laughs> um, no, no, I didn't. I know there are some, some of my office coworkers that did, but, I, uh, I know did. I, it was great, but they spelled my name wrong. Ah, yeah, unbelievable. Well, no. I mean, maybe my name is up there then, because maybe no. it's just spelled really, really wrong. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna go with. <laughs> be like, you're, I think your name is spelled G A R Y B R O W N. I think. <clears throat> yeah, no, that yeah. makes sense. The late um, great Gary Brown guy's name up there. I don't know. I don't know if I'm you did that. Sure. I, I, I actually really did. Uh, I don't know how. I, I have no idea. Just it's because Val, Val put them all in. Mine's up there, too. Okay, cool. I, I, I wasn't sure where it came from. I think I had worked at the Brewers at that point. I was a college kid. I had worked at the Brewers at that point for, like, like maybe three weeks, and then I had my name on a, on a wall outside the stadium. It was awesome. I felt like really my career was going somewhere with the – with the Brewers uh, at that point, but um, that was sort of the highlight. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean, I was really a low floor, low ceiling prospect with the Brewers, so. Scott, um, you might have been on it, one of your. Within the Brewers ticket office. You probably were on one of your patented hiatuses when she was handing out the, the cards that fell off for that. Yeah, she wasn't sure you were ever going to see it. It's entirely possible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's look forward to awesome 2021 at AmFam Field or whatever the heck they're calling it these days. And yeah, it would be great to take, to all get together and go out to a game there. That'd be awesome. So hopefully Scott makes his way back to Milwaukee and same thing with Vince. And yeah, this should be an awesome season. So they call No, we'll definitely try to get up there. In fact, Craig, um, I, you know, we, we don't know if we're going to be able to get, um, tickets for opening day but maybe sometime that first opening week um i'd be interested in going i don't know if they're going to require vaccines at that point or not but 
Um, depending on a lot of different circumstances, I'd love to get up there at some point sooner rather than later when the season starts. So. Yeah, if you miss, well, I guess down in Texas, you're probably not missing snow at this point, but I'm saying there's probably going to be some snow on the ground in April still. <laughs> it's been, it's been 80 since all the storms down here. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's uh, kind of a fluke storm uh, within the last few weeks, but yeah, excited to get, get up to Wisconsin, excited to get back to the stadium and excited to, you know, do normal things again, like tailgate and, and see you guys. And Scott, I know you'll probably have a house up there by opening day, so it'll be great. <laughs> We can there. <laughs> Your summer home or something? That'd be great, yeah. All right. So, ready to wrap this thing up then. So, stay classy, Chad Collins, and go Brewers. Yeah, thanks, Chad. Thanks, Vikram. Thanks to all the interns uh, as well. And uh, thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon, and we'll definitely come back at you very soon with a uh, 2021 season preview where we analyze the divisions. Uh, and, and make our 2021 season predictions, which is exciting to think about. And uh, don't forget to check us out online. Our Twitter address, review one our email address, which I know, Scott, you're checking all the time where your interns are, podcasts with an S at gmail.com, or you can also uh, contact us on the Facebook page that, uh, Scott, I know that you maintain. No, I don't maintain the Facebook page. Don't even look at our Facebook. Just send us something on Twitter or the email or... Um... Yeah, Twitter's probably the best. All right, guys. Stay, stay classy. Go Brewers. Go Brewers. Go Brewers. Go Brewers.